Hello. Um, wow. Here we are again, huh? How's it going, y'all? Is my microphone? Hang on. Let me do a little check here. Are we good? I think we're good here. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gremlin Talk. I believe this is episode maybe like 15 or 16. First and foremost, I told myself I would start actually doing introductions on these episodes. So hello, if this is your first time listening to my podcast, my name is Max Smith. I am a full-time content creator. I am an obstacle course racing athlete. I'm an ultra runner. I am a new dog mother, which we will talk about today. I am currently in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's always contentious where I am when I'm recording these episodes episodes, but that is changing because I am moving. I am moving to North Carolina. I am moving to Asheville, North Carolina. Honestly, I have been having a very difficult time keeping straight what platform I have told what and who I have told what. So today I'm on the record to uh, set some things straight. I believe I have not recorded an episode since right after Haveline 100. So it has been basically one month. It has been essentially one month since the last episode of this podcast. And there's good reason. I don't know about good reason, but I essentially have not been feeling very stoked on content for the last like two months. Basically, the height of 100 miler training was when I came back to Arizona. So I am from Gilbert, Arizona. If you are not familiar with my background, we can go through it super, super quickly. So I grew up in Gilbert. I went to school in Tucson at the University of Arizona, graduated in the spring of 2020, and then after that moved to California for my job in Malibu, which I quit in September. And my life plan was to literally never come back to my hometown. So it was weird for me to be here for a month, but obviously it was necessary because I was running Havelina 100 at the end of October, like Hall weekend. And prior to Havelina 100, I was living out of my Prius and backpacking and living in Hawaii and gallivanting around Europe. And I just really needed some stability. And I came home. I came back to my hometown very briefly. And it was a pretty awesome month, and I was super happy about it. And obviously, the race went super well. Okay, so back to why content has been not super fun for me. So being in my hometown, just it just like, I don't want to say it like drains me or anything, but it's a lot different than the very like adventurous life I was living before. And I was spending a lot of time just in deep self-reflection, like thinking about like what I wanted to do because frankly everything about my life was up in the air when I came back here in October. I didn't really have any future plans. I was planning on moving to San Diego for maybe a job but at the same time I was like super open to other opportunities. I even interviewed for a job at a company that designs bioreactors in Ventura. So if anybody wants to go design bioreactors in Ventura (laughs) you can go take the job that I turned down. Basically, the months of October and November have just been very lacking creatively for me. And that makes sense because when you're in the peak of 100 miler training, you're just super fatigued. I was mentally trying to get myself prepared for the 100. And yeah, I guess that's really the gist of it. So then after the 100, you, I wouldn't say I ever really had post race depression. In fact, I would think 
that I'm kind of going through it now, like after this race I did last weekend, I feel like I'm going through more of a low than I did the hundred. Like after the hundred, I was pumped. I was like, yeah, I love running. Let's do this again. Let's sign up for another hundred. I was still like, I was like recovering, but I was super pumped. Like I went backpacking on Catalina, which we are going to talk about my month of November here in a second, I promise. But I was just really not going through a low. Like I just kind of, I felt like I'd stayed the same and you know, maybe that's because of like external life circumstances, like outside of running. Like I had this new boyfriend I talked about on the last episode. And then, um, I was traveling a ton this month and I don't know, I guess I just like distracted myself from going through the post race or maybe there just didn't have to be a post race depression. Maybe that, maybe you don't have to go through a low. That is what we are currently exploring. (laughs) So let's begin by talking about the month of November. So, wow. Okay, I am the queen of big life changes. As we all know, at this point, I really don't think there's anything I could say or do that would shock anybody about my path. So let's rewind back to Havelina 100 on the last podcast episode. I was telling y'all about this new boyfriend I have, like he's super great, blah, 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 blah. And he is, I know he's going to listen to this. Hi, Max, you are the best. Okay. He listened to the last episode where I was like saying all those really nice things about him and it made me feel anxious. And he was like, why are you anxious? Like I, it was so great. It was so nice to just like hear this episode of someone just like gushing about me. And I was like, wow, you really are just secure, aren't you? (laughs) Anyways, so November rolls around and uh, the first thing that I do after the 100 is I go to Mexico and Mexico was kind of a fucking shit show. I got super hammered at a bar in Rocky Point. I literally did not pay for a single drink all night and I'm pretty sure I had like six tequila shots and an equal number of mixed drinks. Again, no idea who paid for my drinks all night. If your dad was in Rocky Point, the first weekend of October, tell him thank you for buying my drinks. Rocky Point was kind of a shit show for a couple reasons. Um, you know, there was some familial relationship drama, which didn't involve me, but I just don't like being around drama. So it was kind of a lot. Also, because I got hammered on the first night of Mexico, I felt awful for the entire weekend. Please keep in mind, I had not had a drink since I got off the Colorado Trail in Durango in the middle of August, so it had been quite a while since I'd had even literally one sip of alcohol in my system versus um, having like 12 drinks that night, I think. It was fucking horrible and it completely reminded me of why I just don't like to drink in the first place. I definitely live my life. Um, (laughs) It's like moderation, but it's like in extremes, so like you look at my drinking habits and you're like, oh, like she's really good at like moderation, but it's really like I will go super hard for one night and then I will not drink again for six months. Like there is just no in between. And I I like it that way because I think that it is good for me to, you know, be unhinged sometimes. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being unhinged. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they don't want what's best for you. Like, yeah, I don't have to drink to like have a really good time. So most of the time I don't. But literally there are some nights where you're like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do this. I want to drink so much tequila and I want to sing and I want to dance on the dance floor and be fun. And that's, you know what? That's okay, guys. And frankly, I'm doing a lot better than I was doing last year because if you remember Thanksgiving 2021, (laughs) 
Thanksgiving 2021 was a dark time for me and I didn't really ever elaborate on why that was. So I came home from California and I literally went out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or like I went out four nights in a row, some combination of those nights and was hammered for the first three nights and then completely sober dancing in overalls at Whiskey Row on the last night. But the reason that things were so turbulent for me were I I was seeing this awful guy who I continued to see for another like five, six months. Do not ask me any hard questions about this. And he kind of like disappeared off the face of the earth. Like we'd already been seeing each other for like three or four months. And then Thanksgiving, he went home and just like disappeared. And I was clearly unwell about it. And so to cover for that, I guess, to avoid the negative feelings I was feeling, I got super hammered and I had a lot of fun with my friends in my hometown. I got hit on by somebody who recognized me from TikTok in front of my ex-boyfriend and I felt really bad about it. And then I went out with my ex-boyfriend and I went out with my brother and then I saw my other ex-boyfriend and he told me I wanted to buy a Tesla. And it was just like Thanksgiving 2021 was a lot, you guys. It's amazing I'm okay, all right? So that brings us to Thanksgiving 2022. Very different vibes the month of November, all right? Very stable, secure partner of a boyfriend. He's amazing. I'm in Mexico. I literally make this man a vlog while we're out and it's so chaotic. I have so much footage from that night. It's like 10 minutes of footage and it's too embarrassing to put together. Then I come home from Mexico November trip and I go to, where did I go? Oh, I immediately drove to Los Angeles. Keep in mind, I had not been in Los Angeles since before Europe. So I'd been at least like six weeks. And every time I go back to LA now, like since taking leave of absence in June, it's just like, I just, I feel so many feelings every time I go back to LA and I, I have zero regrets about my time in Los Angeles and my time working at my job in Malibu. Like I think my time there was so transformative transformative. I feel like I just said that weird. And for me, relationships can be kind of a tough, it's been an uphill battle to say the least for me. Not not the actual relationship. The actual relationship is great, but me fighting my like anxious avoidant like tendencies and just like trusting someone for some reason that has been very tough for me and it's almost like uh like literally things are so good. Like things could not be better with this person, but I I will have moments where I'm like it would be easier if I were alone. And that's just not true. It's just not true. But I have these like hyper independent like thought processes that have been like beat into me and I have to like actively fight this like hyper independence thing. Okay, this is getting so deep for, but it, it all relates, I promise. And that is the point of this podcast, like open, intentional vulnerability, processing what's going on. This is good for me. Okay, just throwing, throwing everything into the fire. Oh, wow. Okay, so basically I was in the Albertsons in Calabasas before heading to David's house um, because I was in Los Angeles and we were going to go backpack Catalina Island. So if you've been a Mac fan for a minute, then you remember that last April 2021, I was backpacking Catalina with the boys, the backpacking boys, like Decky, Xander, Grady, those guys. And um, we, I had this plan with David set like eight months in advance to backpack on Catalina. And our last Catalina trip did not go so stellarly. 
I don't know if that's a word, but it did not go so great. Okay. Last time Dave and I backpacked together, it was in the Wind River Range after the 24 hour race and his, um, backpack straps got eaten off by mice and you can literally go listen to the episode recap. I think I wanted to kill him the entire time, but the last trip did not go so well. So I was preparing myself mentally, physically to go to David's to get ready for this backpacking trip. I get to Albertsons and I basically have just like a breakthrough. Like I just like kind of realized some deep limiting beliefs I was having about relationships. And so I'm here to share that with y'all. So when I moved to California in September 2020, I like moved right into the van and it was around that time that I decided that I just wanted to be uncomfortable. I wanted to grow. I had gotten out of my three and a half year college relationship. So I dated my college boyfriend three and a half years, literally thought I was going to marry this man. Ended up breaking up with him um, when we moved to Boulder together the summer after graduation. And at the end of that relationship, I just felt like I couldn't be the best version of myself. Like the best version of myself felt threatening or something like I just couldn't shine my light the way my light wanted to be shined so I'm in this Albertsons in Calabasas and I'm just like overcome with emotions and like thought processes like being in Calabasas being in Agora Hills brings up a lot for me like not like trauma but just a lot of feelings like I spent the last two years of my life like just vibing basically like doing this like hyper independent like I don't need anybody to look out for me like I've got me um just this 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 growth process of becoming the person who could quit my job and just go live in my car on my own versus like when I was at the end of this college relationship like I felt like I didn't have the autonomy and the independence that I wanted so I'm overcome with emotion in this Albertsons and I'm realizing that I have a pretty deep limiting belief of if I'm in a relation, if I am in a relationship, I cannot grow. If I am in a committed relationship, it means I have to sacrifice and I do not have the space to be myself. I don't have the space to do the things that I want to do and someone is going to hold me back from becoming a better person. And the second that I put those feelings into words, I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, that's some deep shit right there, right? Believing that if I am in a relationship, if I deeply care about someone, I can't grow as a person. And that just like really hit me because my growth is such a priority of mine. And the, I guess like the converse to that thought, that belief in in my current partnership is that this person is someone who holds me accountable to being better. And I didn't have a ton of evidence for this, but I did have the evidence of being at the hundred, being at mile 77, and this man looking me in the eyes and saying, listen, McKenna, I think you are going to be disappointed in yourself if you do not keep going. I think that you've worked really hard for this and I know who you are and you're going to be disappointed. And I was like, 
wow, fuck you, Max. Like now I do have to keep going, don't I? And he was 100% correct. And I am eternally grateful that I have a partner who doesn't let me be complacent. But I just basically came to awareness of this limiting belief and him and I talked it through, of course. And um, I feel like I've worked through that one pretty well. But that was like a big thing for me, especially at the beginning of that relationship to realize like I don't I don't have to be alone. I literally don't have to be alone to grow. Like I'm so comfortable with the way I've been operating for so long. Like for the last two and a half years, it's just been, it's been me. It's literally just been me taking care of everything. Um, something needs to be done. I do it like I've had to be super independent. I've had to have very adult responsibilities and um, and basically just like coming to this awareness of like, yeah, just because I can take care of everything doesn't mean that I have to. Like that's the point of partnership, right? It's to share the burden of life. Like life is easier when you have a good partner, like you support each other and like see each other's blind spots and like help each other out like that. Oh God. Okay. So that was like a really big thing for me to realize. Okay. So that was my pre Catalina realizations. And, um, basically being on Catalina, I also believed a lot more things. (laughs) So there's another Catalina note. And this note, this note is good. And um, this was like another really big, obviously I was like literally fighting demons for the first like week of this relationship for some reason. (laughs) Like literally everything is totally fine. But my like anxious avoidant brain is like, why, why are we being vulnerable? Like I, I, I say this to Max all the time. I'm like, dude, I am so jealous of your like stability and security. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, you're so stable. And I'm like, you know, I am, but it's like, it's like fought for security. It's not like natural for me to, um, like, I feel like I'm a very open and vulnerable person. Obviously from this podcast, I'm basically hosting a therapy session right now. (laughs) It is difficult for me to be open and vulnerable with men especially friends are great I can be open and vulnerable all day with friends and like you know my guy friends like Decky, David like open book but in like romantic relationships following my college relationship it has been very difficult for me to be open and vulnerable and that is because when you date people who are avoidant they are not capable of emotional intimacy and so the second you get open and vulnerable they run away and you you know that you pick partners who cannot handle intimacy and then it like replays this like loop for you like it's a cycle and you have to learn how to get out of the cycle and that's what I'm learning right now okay but I feel like I've been able to be so open and vulnerable because Max is so secure, which is literally how attachment theory works. Like if you date someone who's secure, it pulls you over to the more secure side. Um, And that doesn't mean that everything's fine when you date somebody who is secure. You don't. it's It's not that everything's fine. However, you have to develop the tools to work through whatever relationship anxieties you are having and um, like quiet those like fears I guess like the fear of abandonment the fear of like intimacy the fear of somebody seeing you and like rejecting you like you literally have to learn how to work through that and something I realized on Catalina so I'm out on Catalina 
I don't like I so the first time I was on Catalina I did not have phone service like the entire time we were out there except for when we were at two harbors so I figured this trip would be the same so I had like mentally you know prepared myself for like four days no phone service like not talking to Max and I was fine with that like I was I genuinely needed some space from my life like I from everybody not just Max but like literally everybody in my life I just wanted to kind of peace out for a moment and enjoy having no service so two harbors the first night we have service which I knew and then we go to Parsons Landing and I'm like we don't have service here like this is the most remote destination David fucking turns on his phone has phone service and me and Chloe are like we are not turning our phones on like that is no way dude we need a night without service so at Parsons Landing, uh, the beach is really gorgeous. So I go like pick up some rocks for Max and I write him like a love note because I'm a good girlfriend. I know how to be a good girlfriend. And the next day we're walking, we go back into two harbors. I say hi to Max really quickly and then we keep going on the trail. And I we didn't have service at Little Harbor. I will say that was nice. Um, but then we did have service at Blackjack, the last campground. But again, I was just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to text. And I just had this weird like sense of questioning like I was questioning you know why don't I feel this need to like be in constant contact with my partner like that feeling of um like almost I don't want to say desperate but it kind of is it's like uh like I have to be in contact with this person like this person is gonna like get about me or this person like you know that like abandonment feeling when you're dating somebody who's avoidant it's like any kind of communication like I literally dated someone you guys who I had to tell to text me back like I had to train him literally to respond to my texts like I'm not kidding and so it was like you're used to this game this like cat and mouse game of like this person's not gonna text me back and then it's like oh well fine I'm gonna wait three weeks to text you back and it's like what the fuck is that? Why are we playing this weird game, right? Like nobody wins in like a weird communication game, but like genuinely these guys just like don't really care about you or they're avoidant and they can't handle intimacy, blah, 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 whatever. So I'm on Catalina and on the last day, so I had basically all of my philosophical realizations on the last day of this trip for some reason. And it's the last like five miles and I'm walking and I'm thinking about it and I'm just like, God, why don't I feel this like super passionate, like super desperate feeling like I need to be in contact with my partner, right? And I knew from reading, I didn't know from experience, (laughs) I knew that when you date somebody who is secure and makes you feel safe, you don't feel that way. Like you don't, they, they literally say like, oh, you might feel bored. Like it's, the dopamine like you don't get the dopamine like highs and lows when you're dating somebody who just like reciprocates with love and affection and so I'm like walking and I'm like god why don't I feel this like crazy like in love like passionate like do or die feeling and I was like oh oh wait this makes perfect sense it's it's the feeling that I've heard about of people saying you might feel quote unquote bored and I didn't realize I I had to equate like bored with content because I was just content like I didn't feel like again like the crazy gotta be in contact and I was like oh and it was like a light bulb went off in my head and I just realized that 
being safe and secure means I don't have to fight for attention. I don't have to fight for like someone's someone to text me back. Literally, I don't have to fight for somebody to fucking text me back. Like it's it's really that simple. So yeah, that that was a really big realization I had on Catalina. And David and I kind of talked it through because I told him what I was feeling and what I came to realize. And he was like, you know what? Yeah, I think that means that you are like being very secure. And I was like, thanks, David. Like I already knew that. And I wrote down a note that I really, really, really like here. So one, I said thinking love has to mean sacrifice or losing yourself. That was the biggest thing because I feel like when I date guys who are avoidant, I lose like parts of myself to like appease them or like their image of their life. And in this partnership, I don't feel like I have to change. I don't feel like I have to change. I feel completely accepted for who I am. And I also wrote the note that in a healthy attachment or relationship, you get to maintain the space to be yourself. You don't have to fight or sacrifice for love. It just is. It's there. And that hit me literally so hard. Like I I uncovered this limiting belief of like love has to be painful. I have to fight for love. I have to make sacrifices for love. And the truth is you don't have to do that. You can just like be who you are and have your own unique goals and interests and like be be who you are and be accepted for that. So, you know, I, I, I talked all of this through with my boyfriend and he was just like unbewildered. Like I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, and I, I knew he wouldn't fully understand what I mean because he's so secure, but he was like, yeah, you know, anytime you're ever like feeling anything, like, just let me know. Like we can just talk it through. I'm like, who are you? Who are you? Where did you come from? So those those were my biggest mental breakthrough takeaways, I suppose, from being on Catalina. The backpacking trip itself was kind of a shit show. David and I did not pack sleeping bags and it was 50 degrees at night. So <laughs> we literally froze. I brought like a sleeping bag liner because I was thinking, you know, it's 50 degrees. I should be okay with the liner. Nope. I was freezing. Um, David didn't even bring a liner. He bought like a mini quilt from REI from the brand Rumpel. And then he was completely freezing the first night and we ended up buying fleece sleeping bags <laughs> from the Two Harbor general store which I'm so glad we did because we literally would have died without them it was so nice to see David it was so nice to be with Chloe like it, it's so weird leaving my what feels like home and like not seeing my friends on a daily basis like not walking into the lab every day and seeing my group and seeing my best friends and like you know I literally had a desk next to David like we would just fuck around all day basically and it's so you know it's not I mean living on the road is lonely and that's like the number one thing I think that people who live in their vans live in their cars like school buses whatever the fuck they that we always say like it is just like lonely to live on the road it's really lonely to move to a new place it's lonely having to build a new community from scratch but yeah it's it's been an adjustment period for sure for me of like you know, leaving Los Angeles, leaving my friends, like, ah, I have gotten very, very good at long distance friendships, I will say. So I come home back to Arizona from Catalina. And I think it was the day after I got back from Catalina that I flew to North Carolina. And I spent, let's see, it was like two full weeks, basically, that I was in North Carolina. And so 
Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's just fucking get into it. So basically, um, from like the first week I was talking to Max, he was like, you should move in with me in Asheville. And I was like, what? Like, you're literally insane. I, this man literally had me Googling, like, is he love bombing me or does he actually like me? <laughs> Turns out it's not love bombing. Um, he actually does like me. So I've been like joking about moving to North Carolina f- since we started talking, essentially, like kind of as a joke, kind of serious. Like at this point in my life, nothing is, nothing's for sure. Nothing's stable. I am just like live, laugh, loving. If that means moving to San Diego, whatever. If that means moving to North Carolina, sure. Like it's, it's kind of funny, you know, the whole, the plot, it's all good for the plot. So, um, I've been joking about moving to North Carolina and the OG plan for Max and I was, I was going to come visit North Carolina the weekend that I did. Um, and that was like when we would be meeting in person for the first time, but obviously plans changed. He came to the hundred miler and like, I was like, had fell in like head over heels love with this man after the hundred. And, um, so the plan was I was going to come to North Carolina and just like check it out and, you know, like make a real decision. Like, was I going to move there or not? After the hundred miler, I was like, pretty sure I'm moving to North Carolina regardless, but it just kind of made sense for me to fly, visit, be a guest, um, stay for Thanksgiving, etc. So I fly into town the weekend before Thanksgiving and it's just great. Like this man has a beautiful home. I I was telling my mom about it last night and like Max, I feel like has such a curated sense of style, which I don't like I, I I change my style like a lot frequently, like who I am. (laughs) Like there's not a lot about me that's constant. Okay. But this man has such a fine sense of style, like an eye for details. Um, he, he tasked me with picking out new bedding for his bed and our our bed I keep saying his house his bed but he's like um McKenna it's our house I'm like oh right yeah we're we're a team now it's a we thing fucking pronouns man I can't I can't you know I'm learning how to use we so I like picked out some bedding and then he came back with like some adjustments and then um I picked out like a color for like the sheets and two of the accent pillows and he was like you know I'm really more of like a naturals guy and I was like okay literally it's two pillows that are blue max and then later he was like yeah I don't know why I even said that like I really should have just (laughs) so we now have a really beautiful bed set with two gorgeous blue accent pillows that kind of match some paintings he has in our room house is super cute there's like a creek in the backyard it's like a small town um I haven't really lived in a small town ever I guess like I grew up in Gilbert but there's like 200,000 people here and then it's also a suburb of Phoenix like this is not exactly rural North Carolina right So, um, very small, cute town. Uh, this man works a lot. Like he's literally gone for like 14 hours a day, which is okay. Because again, the hyper independence thing, like I really need my space. I need my alone time. So I actually love that he's gone a lot. I feel like I have so much time at home to like work on content and like do my life coaching stuff and just kind of be my own person. So I really like that. I mean, I would love if he were home more too, but also I don't, it's no... It, it means nothing to me personally that he works. It's just like, yeah, like man has a job. He goes to work. Like, yeah, that's a thing. And basically the last two weeks have just been me living in this little max bubble. 
um, just, you know, trying to enjoy time with my boyfriend. Um, I, I haven't, again, haven't really been making a ton of content because I've just been so out of my normal zone and just trying to figure out, like, trying to rekindle that creativity. And basically about a week into me being in North Carolina, honestly, maybe even days, I don't even know if we made it a full week. Uh, I was like, Hey, like we should get a puppy. And he was like, say less. And literally we found this dog. Okay. She's so cute. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me post pics of her like nonstop Maggie, Maggie. I think she's outside. We got this black lab. We think border collie mix from an animal sanctuary in Kanab, Utah. And she's so sweet and cute. And I'm currently with her in Phoenix right now. And I am moving. I'm moving to North Carolina. As I mentioned earlier in here, I am going to be moving to it's Maggie Valley. So it's like right outside of Asheville. It's super cute little quote unquote ski town just in the mountains in North Carolina, like could not be a better fit for me. It's funny. I also ran an ultra last weekend in North Carolina. Essentially what happened is the world's toughest mutter was going on while I was on Catalina and I had a couple friends running and I just felt like so inspired by it and it seemed like a really good fit for like me what I enjoy doing I want to get more into like the long form ultra kind of stuff especially after Havelina. I'm like fucking love the 100 mile distance let's do this and I was looking at races. So prior to meeting Max, I was going to run maybe the Spartan races in Arizona that weekend, but then obviously was in North Carolina and then just happened to look on the Spartan website like for future ultra events. And it said that there was an ultra in North Carolina the weekend I was there. So I text Mac, Mac, I texted Max and I was like, would you be disappointed in me if I wanted to run an ultra this weekend? He was like, no, of course not. What? Like I'll support you anytime which is of course the answer I should have expected from him. But again, my little traumatized brain was like, he's gonna be mad at me. So I ran the Spartan Carolinas Ultra and I placed third. Third is fine. Um, <laughs> honestly, the race was, it was fast. Like I think the girl who won ran like a six hour 50K with, you know, 60 obstacles. Um, I felt good-ish for most of it. I don't even know if goodish is the right word. It, it was really just okay. You know, I hadn't really done any speed work, hadn't run much since the hundred three weeks earlier. Also, you know, ran a fucking hundred miler three weeks earlier. So it wasn't like I had super fresh legs or anything, but basically, you know, end of season kind of ultra, like, I think this is going to be the last race of 2022 for me. I really need just like a break, like following this race, I am not loving moving my body. I feel so fatigued, which makes perfect sense given the eight months prior and just, you know, I'm going through this huge life transition and running a hundred miler and then running a fast 50 K. And, um, I also like kind of hurt myself a little bit. I've got this like weird bruise almost on like my heel. So it's not, it hasn't been fun to like wear shoes. It's just all around, you know, there's just things that haven't been ideal. So I'm listening to my body. I'm chilling out. I'm eating lots of food. I've done so much baking. It's been so fulfilling for me. The only downside to that is that um, you know, I, I use my running time as like my space to process things. And so that probably has played a little bit of a part in this month's like lack of creativity. I just haven't had the space to, uh, think through my like creative process. 
running. I'm just like not the same person when I'm not running. Like I'm really not. Sometimes I'm just like, I need to go for a run. I just need to, you know, makes me a better person every day. But yeah, ultra, ultra went well. I, I wasn't, um, I didn't have like any real expectations for the race. Uh, you know, it's a smaller field, but I, I, sometimes I forget this. Like when you're running elite, like they make you earn it. Like you don't get to just kind of sit back and just, you know, have a very chill day and still podium. Like I, I ran really hard for a third. Like I'm actually really proud of like my mental game. I closed super hard. My second lap was fast. I I rolled my ankle really, really hard coming up the vertical cargo. And I was like, fuck me, dude. Like, I'm literally going to lose because I just rolled my Mexico ankle again. But over the course of that second lap, I had put up like a 15-minute lead on third place without knowing it, which is so cool because uh, me in fourth place, I said third, but I meant fourth. Me in fourth place left transition at the same time. And I thought, this is so funny. So the, part of my mental hangup with racing sometimes is I just don't, feel like I'm a good runner. Like I always say like, yeah, I'm like a mediocre runner. I'm a good obstacleer, And like, that's why I'm good at OCR. Like I can just kind of put the things together, but I'm trying to own that. I am a good runner too. And basically I was running, you know, with that third, fourth place girl for a while. Like her and I were really close together. I put on a couple minutes on her on the obstacles at the end of the first loop, um, but then missed my spear. So she caught up to me at transition. And uh, as we were running, I was like, wow, like this girl's like a good runner. Like she's a pretty good runner. Like she's fast. Like I, you know, I feel like I make time on her on obstacles and then she's like, you know, only a minute or two behind me. And then basically after the race, I just realized like, you know, this whole time I've been praising this girl for being a good runner, but like I was the better runner. Like I literally ran a better, I ran 15 minutes faster than her. Like, and so it was kind of flipping that awareness of me, not like even putting myself down, but just saying like, oh, that girl's a good runner. Like I really need to stay ahead of her. And I will say another really positive outcome from this race is I realized how much positivity I was having with myself in the race. I used to be somebody who raced with a lot of negativity, especially really early in my running career. It was like racing felt like a test. Like it was a test of my abilities. It was a test of my self-worth. Like I put a lot of stock in race results and I started racing a lot better and a lot happier when I stopped caring about the result and really just focused on the experience, like the positivity. I learned how to channel my inner voice. So I learned this from Kara Goucher's book, Strong, or maybe Confident. It might be called Confident. And she talks about, she says something like, you know, your inner voice can be your biggest critic or it can be a cheerleader. And I read that book right before High Rocks, New York. And I remember going to High Rocks, New York, and I was like, hell yeah. Like, yes, my inner voice can be a cheerleader. Like, let's practice that. And that whole hour of complete agony and misery, I was so gentle with myself and such a positive cheerleader and also such a positive cheerleader of others. And it's a practice I've carried forward with me in all of my racing, like cheering for my competitors. Um, I literally will see, like the girl I was running with, uh, you know, we passed each other at the end of the sandbag. She was going the opposite way. And I was literally cheerle- like cheering for her. Like it, it feels 
feels good to be positive and cheer for others. And it makes your racing experience so much healthier to remove your self-worth from the result, focus on the positivity, focus on using your inner voice for good instead of tearing yourself down. I feel like this is a topic I I bring up a lot because I'm so adamant about it. (laughs) Like using your inner voice as a cheerleader doesn't just apply to running, right? If you listen to this podcast and you've never run a single step, then what you should take away <laughs> is that your inner your inner critic, your inner anxiety voice can also be channeled as a cheerleader, can be cha- channeled as positivity. That is something I am only now realizing <laughs> that I've been doing for the last year, like outside of racing even. I will be doing other activities or, um, you know, even in the fucking relationship thing where I'm like fighting this anxious, avoidant, voice in the back of my head telling me to just like be alone. It's like using positivity to acknowledge my growth, acknowledge where I can grow. Like it's so much better than being an anxious critic of yourself. I talk about my college days a bit. I feel like on the podcast, um, I probably could just do like a solid episode about my experience in engineering, like start to finish since I'm not an engineer anymore. Well, I'm, you know, I'm an engineer, but I'm not like a practicing engineer. But when I was in school and we talk about fixing growth mindset a lot on this podcast, I feel like as well. And it's because my life has shifted. Like my mindset has shifted as a result of like acknowledging that, yeah, I came from a fixed mindset and now I very much practice a growth mindset. Part of that has been learning how to view challenges in my life as practice for future challenges. Like, yeah, I I do be fighting demons. I do be fighting internal demons right now, but I am using that practice knowing that the more I reframe my limiting beliefs, the more that I fight these demons, the more that I create new neural pathways and practice those pathways, then fighting the demons gets easier. It gets easier. Same with running, same with life, same with math, same with engineering. But basically back in my engineering days, I was very much like, uh, you know, the only thing that matters like my grades. The only thing that matters is the final score. on the test. The only thing that matters is getting an A in this class. And like, I feel like I could have learned a lot more and maybe saved myself a lot of anxiety and agony if I had adopted a more of a growth mindset to the process of learning. I could have learned more efficient ways to study. I could have learned just how to be a better student. And I am applying to grad school like I'm literally in the middle of I have an application due tomorrow I'm in the middle of grad school apps right now and I think you know if I ultimately decide to go to grad school then um, I would be able to adopt more of a growth mindset with all of that I think I think in general that's just like a really good summary of what racing and running have become for me in the last year genuinely I am so proud of just the mindset shift I've experienced of Um, you know, especially when you like move up and you start running elite, it's like quite a jump from age group. Like I went from winning everything to like, yeah, being challenged, being challenged, you know, where you're not getting better in first place. If you are winning all the time and nobody's pushing you from behind, then you are not getting better. And I hate to tell you that, but your ego 
loves it. I had a very distinct thought while I was running the 50K of, you know, like, bitch, this is elite. Like, this is elite. You do not get to walk in here thinking it's going to be an easy day. Everybody who's running elite has earned it. Everybody who's running elite has had the confidence to step up to the plate, right? And I remember thinking, I'm so grateful for this girl who's around me, like the third or fourth place girl. I'm so grateful that she is pushing me because I need to be pushed. And genuinely, it's like an act of gratitude. I'm thankful for my competitors. My competitors bring out the best in me. I'm grateful for, yeah, this girl who's running really hard and pushing me. I, on that second loop, I was like, I need to be perfect. Like anything less than perfect and I'm going to lose this spot. And I'm so grateful that there's a bit of pressure here to be perfect on this loop. And I had a much cleaner second loop. I had a much faster second loop. And I'm, I'm proud of how I fought for that spot. Like genuinely, I feel good about that. So those are basically my life lessons from the month of November. I feel really good about everything. And obviously I'm feeling a lot more inspired with content. Like I've been filming YouTube video today. And then of course, working on the podcast today. I, I It's been hard because I feel like I've really been struggling at the root of it all. My why with content. Why do I make content? What is my purpose? What niche what what am I trying to teach an audience like I it's been hard to kind of discern that but also like can't I just make content for like the joy of making content like why does it have to have a purpose you know and today with everyone's like Spotify raps coming out um a lot of people have been tagging me or you know the podcast in them and I'm like holy shit dude I forget that like there's literally people listening to this podcast like this podcast will probably have 2,000 downloads and it's like there's 2,000 people who care about this podcast enough to download it and listen to it and I always say at the end of literally every podcast episode I'm so grateful for all of you I'm so grateful that you've like stuck with the podcast through this period of inconsistency and me like really trying to find my footing with the podcast like I am literally so grateful the gremlins we we are entering a new era and I appreciate you for like it's so funny I want to like almost go back and like put a little clip of the first episode because that was like I was still working at my full-time job back then like that was like five months ago and so it's so lovely to have this living record of what's going on in my life and like the growth and how I'm feeling and like I'm so so grateful for all of this seriously and literally my life would not be what it is without all of you listening and liking my posts and commenting on things. So like genuinely, as much as I get DMs from y'all saying I've changed your life, you guys have changed my life infinitely more, like infinitely. So yeah, that's kind of my uh, gratitude rant for the day. Um, I'm feeling pretty wrapped up on things. So I guess let's just do a quick little, a little thing, you know, in conclusion, your girl is uh, moving in with a man. Um, frankly, did I see this coming at, in January? Absolutely fucking not. I was like, never going to have a boyfriend again. So, um, that's cool. (laughs) I'm moving in with Max to North Carolina. Uh, My family is, you know, my grandparents are probably disappointed that here I am yet again, unwed and moving in with a man. My mom is terrified. We are going to get married, but you know, sorry, mom. 
my dad seems to be kind of a chiller about the whole thing. Um, basically how I told him I was moving to North Carolina is I told him I was going to drive back to North Carolina after flying. And then like three weeks later, I was like, Hey, we got a dog. And he's like, we like, are you moving to North Carolina? And I was like, I did tell you that I'm moving to North Carolina by what did you think I meant by driving dad? Seriously. At this point, nobody in my family thinks they can control me. It's been like that for a long time. Frankly, I've been doing this shit for years. <laughs> my mom likes to tell me that even when I was a very small child, they just accepted that I was going to do what I was going to do. And they, they were going to have to be on board with it. Kind of an honor to have parents that just, you know, let me, let me be me. I, you know, I've got this puppy. Um, did I ever think I was going to be taking care of something? No, I was pretty adamantly against it. In fact, after my fish died last September, but here I am, I am probably never going to be a mother because being a puppy mom is hard enough. Um, motherhood sounds fucking awful. So we'll see. I mean, who knows, you know, who knows, who knows what could happen? Uh, I always say never say never because... <laughs> with me it's always you know nobody really knows what's happening so uh yeah that's kind of the gist of things that's where we're at um and as always thank you so much for listening again seriously thank you this podcast would not be what it is without all of y'all and truly i'm so grateful and i want to be i want to promise you i can be more consistent with the pod I do think with moving North Carolina, like actually having like an office space to record and um, just settling in a little bit more in like a positive growth oriented way versus, you know, just trying to survive until the hundred and then traveling for a month. Um, I, you know, I think we can make some real positive progress on the pod. So, you know, as always, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, send it to your hottest friend, send it to your mom, um, send it to your lover because we were in our soft girl era aren't we? Okay. Um, and I guess, so you can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok. I'm at Mac on the run on TikTok at Mac Shea Smith on Instagram. Um, you can go check out the YouTube channel, Mac Shea Smith. Uh, I am going to be posting my hundred miler like recap video. Cause of course I was taking videos the entire time during the hundred, uh, probably in the next week or so I've got some serious editing I need to get done, but I'm feeling a little more motivated now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about everything that we've got going on. So thank you so much. I love you all. Have an incredible, amazing day. Uh, Mercury is not in retrograde. It's Sagittarius season. The stars are in our favor and my birthday is in two weeks. I will be 24 in two weeks. So feeling good about that. All right. So I hope you have a lovely day. Okay. Goodbye. I love you so much. Have a great day.